What is up, ladies and gentlemen? I'm Andy Shaver. Thank you for tuning in to the Big Honker Podcast. This show is brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries. Dive Bomb is the leader in silhouette manufacturing in the decoy market today. They are what we use in and out every day. They can handle everything that we throw at them seven days a week, no matter the weather. And the absolute best part about Dive Bomb, other than the way that they look, is the way that they stack up. You can put five dozen per bag, a bag over each shoulder, and on those days where you have to walk your decoys out to the field, Dive Bomb is the best and only option. Go fill up that shopping cart, get the best silhouettes on the planet, save yourself some money, it doesn't get any better than that. Also, be sure to check out our film, Goose Brothers. It's out now. It's on YouTube and Facebook. Stanfield Hunting Outfitters, Big Honker Podcast, and Pork Choppers Aviation Facebook page. So you can go to either one of those sites or you can go to YouTube. Type in Goose Brothers. We hope that you enjoy it. Let us know what you think. We're very, very proud of it. So go check it out. Also, this podcast is brought to you by Sea Light LEDs. Get those lights on your trailer. It will make a world of difference. Nothing worse than fumbling around in the dark setting up your decoy spread. Put them on your trailer. There's nothing worse than setting out your decoy spread and then the sun coming up and thinking, what the fuck did, did Ray Charles put up this, this spread? Get you some lights for those trailers. Go to sealightleds.com. That's S-E-E-L-I-T-E-L-E-D-S.com. Go get your lights for your trailers today. The Big Honker Podcast is brought to you by Stanfield Hunting Outfitters, home of the Big Honker Lodge. We are located in Knox City, Texas. That's www.stanfieldhunting.com. Been in business for over 25 years. We put them in your face. Ducks, geese, dove, whatever you want to shoot, give us a call at stanfieldhunting.com, 940-658-3172. And we have some November goose specials. I got some October pheasant and dove special. Give me a holler at stanfieldhunting.com. And the Big Honker Podcast is brought to you by 737 Duck Calls. Original design, select grade components, superior sound, and unparalleled service. 737 takes exceptional pride in producing the finest quality, best-built premium calls on the market today. They are made in America and offered only direct to the consumer from their website. Shipping in the U.S. is always free. International orders also now accepted online. And a 20-day money-back guarantee and a lifetime warranty accompany every call. Purchase 737 Duck Calls. Lead the flock. Okay, folks. Get on that 737 Duck Calls website and use promo code HONKER and save 15% off on all your duck call purchases and apparel. That's 737DuckCalls.com. Folks, if you want a good duck call, got a goose call, jump on them and try them. If you do it, you'll always use them. They're a good company. They're good people. They, they're American-made. It is, the, is a great product. So anyways, I, Jeff Stanfield, am telling you, go out and try some 737 Duck Calls and go to 737DuckCalls.com and use HONKER as your promo code and save 15% off on all your purchases. Thank you. I'd like to thank Big Honker Podcast, William Chris Wines. That's William Chris Vineyards out of High Texas. Folks, if you need that wine for that special occasion, it's wedding season coming along. Zach's getting married first weekend in November. He needs to go to William Chris Wines and William Chris Vineyards and WilliamChrisWines.com. You can get a case of wine sent to you for $1. Go to promo code HONKER, H-O-N-K-E-R, Coupon code for WilliamChrisVineyards.com. You can find William Chris Vineyards or William Chris Wines at Bucky's, General Foods, and most other high-end retail outlets for wine. And that's WilliamChrisVineyards.com, home of Sway Rose. And the Big Honker Podcast would like to welcome our newest sponsor, Garrison Brothers Bourbon. We are a family of bourbon makers and bourbon lovers, fully committed to proving that the finest bourbon whiskey on the planet 
will be born in the Texas Hill Country. A bourbon that beyond its incredible taste also has the power to fortify friendships and faith while inspiring legendary stories for life. Ladies and gentlemen, the recipe for this is a glass, some ice cubes, and Garrison Brothers bourbon made in high Texas. Check them out at garrisonbrothers.com and welcome aboard the Big Honker Podcast. Okay, boys and girls, on this episode of the podcast, Jeff and I discuss how to clean your birds, what to do when you're away from home, some of the laws surrounding uh, cleaning your birds and, and taking the meat off of them. So we talk about that. We also relive our most favorite hunt as a child. We talk about uh, some of the memories that stick out surrounding those hunts. We also uh, we pay homage to Tim Grounds. Unfortunately, we lost him this past week in a tragic, tragic accident. So uh, we talk about a little bit about Tim and, and how he has changed the world. We also give away the dive bomb goose hunt. We've talked about it and talked about it at nauseum. Three mornings of goose hunt, two dozen dive bomb silhouettes. We finally give away that hunt. So there is a lucky winner in here somewhere. So congratulations to our winner. And we hope that you all enjoy. And thank you to everybody for listening to the Big Honker Podcast. Get this motherfucker going. You're, you're not on. Okay. Three, two, one, boom. Or did you do the three, two, I one? I did the, uh, the, the, the three, two, one. We are having phone hell. If there is a phone guy out there, we are trying to run our landline to our recorder and all this other bullshit that I don't know what it's called. And we have had hell. We have bought every piece that Amazon possibly sells. We've done everything we can do, and we cannot get the damn thing to work. We've called people. We need a phone guy. If you're a phone guy out there and you can come get my phone system in, I'll give you a free freaking hunt. I need a phone system to work for this damn thing. The cell phones are not cutting it. We want we want top-notch quality for you listeners. We've had a landline for six weeks now. That, no, it's longer than that. that, that, that. <clears throat> anyway. It's it's been a day. It's so th- been a day already. It's, this is our Friday, and that's why this is why we've had to change up some of the times of what time we've been releasing because we've been trying to work on this so we can get more so we can have do more phone interviews. But that's the problem, and that's the issues we're dealing with. Because we know that it's frustrating whenever you're listening to an interview and the phones cut in and out. We understand that. We've been trying to fix this for two months now. And living in Hooterville, we can't call up a shop. We've 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 had two different phones we've ordered online. That, the phone that's supposed to work. We've called experts. We get them. We've got all this other shit. And we're in the same place we were two months ago, except Andy finally had a Ron Stanfield and blew up. And it's on Facebook, on my Facebook. You can look it up. You can see him getting frazzled about to blow a gasket. Anyways, Andy, it is Friday, and it's going to be a wet weekend. Again. 
We got hunters coming in, so go figure. It's probably it's it's gonna rain seven eight inches again. I guarantee you. It's supposed to. That's crazy. Usually at this time of year, if we were gonna get a seven to eight inch rain, I would be praying, mm-hmm. doing a naked Indian rain dance outside if that's what it took to get rain here. Mm-hmm. We don't need seven inches of rain. No. An inch of rain will take. Three inches of rain will be like ten inches of rain. Seven inches of rain will be like twenty inches of rain. We have nowhere to put it. So, if you're looking for a duck hunt during the high plain, anytime, call us. We've got, we're covered with ducks. we got water everywhere, and we got ducks everywhere. And we got a lot of geese. We could run a duck and a goose hunt in the morning. It's crazy to be this early in October. So, anyways, before we get kicked off onto this podcast, and this is the Dive Bomb Podcast, we are going to be giving away that hunt at the end of this podcast. And I was so pumped for the winter, and then we started jacking with this phone before, and I'm just down in the dumps now. Ah, you'll, you'll, you'll pick back up. But... We want to talk about some really sad news. Yep. We lost Tim Grounds this week yep. or on Sunday. Tragic Tim, accident. Tim was on podcast with us about a month and a half, about six weeks ago. Number fifty, episode number fifty. Episode if you listen to it. Fifty was Tim Grounds, and Tim is a pioneer in the waterfowl business, and I would say in the goose calling, the goose calling deal, he probably was the biggest innovator and pioneer we've had in the yep. la- in a long time. Yep. The short re goose call. You just look at what he's done on the stage, and you know he he. Uh, revolutionized the the goose call market with the short read goose call the half breed uh true pioneer and it it's a sad uh i tell you it's a bad deal big we big, walk a fine line yep and prayers out to his parents and to hunter and Everybody. you know god bless them and i know it's a tough time and they lost a they lost a good guy there yep. you know an innovator yeah, and he, i'm he i'm really f- very fortunate we got him on when we did that's a bad deal yeah just wish, uh, wish their family the best, and uh, I know it's tough. I know it's tough. Sad deal. We're going to talk about some different things today. We're going to talk. First thing we're talking about is something we we a lot of our customers don't do because we handle this for them. But most of our most of our listeners are people out on their own. Mm-hmm. Is cleaning their birds. And, cleaning and, and, their birds. And there's different rules and laws to it. If you clean your birds at your house, you can do what you want with it. The final destination is the way that I understand it. Well, let's just say your house, just so we can keep right. everybody no, no, out of a, no, I understand. out of a crack. So, if you're wherever you're living at, you clean your birds, you can do what you want to. You can breast them, you can um, pluck them, you do whatever you want with them. Now, if you're cleaning the birds and you're on the side of the road cleaning the birds, or you're at a duck camp somewhere, unless you're going to eat them right on the spot, you have to leave a wing attached. Have to, have to, have to. It's um, the law. Yep, federal law, and I've seen more people get tickets for that than I have anything. More than, uh, I bet I no, no, no hunter safety. No, no, I, our our clients more hunter safety or no stamps. But I've know of more guys that have gotten tickets for not leaving a wing attached to right. a bird than anything else. Because I know a lot of guys that buy their stamps and do all that, right. and then they get to some place and go, oh, "We'll just jerk the breast out." They'll never find out. Right. I'm gonna tell you what. We had a game warden in Knox City that was a damn good game warden, and he would check the dumpsters at the hotels mm-hmm. daily. And if he checked and there was a bunch of geese in there and they were breasted out, not hard to trace nope. back. And he would do some investigative work, and they'd be writing a ticket to somebody. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're going somewhere, you're in North Dakota, you're in South Dakota, Nebraska, wherever you're at, and you think you're in a small town, and they'll never know, by God, they do know, because they check them every single day. So make sure you leave a wing attached if you're somewhere else. Now, Andy, what are the best ways that you like at your house to clean a goose or a duck? Is there any I tricks just, to it? I pull the boobs out. Pull the boobs out, uh, give them a quick rinse, and then uh, I stick them in the freezer or um if i'm if you know just kind of make dinner plans if you plan on cooking it within the next couple of days you can leave it in the fridge but uh yeah you what, soak them in blood milk uh, or any of that stuff that some people do or salt water you know i don't eat i don't eat a ton of geese and ducks 
uh, the little bit that I do, I'll I'll give them a couple ice baths just to take that. If I'm eating a goose, um, I do them a couple ways. I'll do goose tacos that are really good. I got a grinder, grind them up, and add taco seasoning. And yeah, that's one way to do it. Uh, the other way, uh, uh, I'm still frazzled from this phone. I'm looking; it's, it's staring at me right in the face. So bear with me. <laughs> um, I'll do uh, goose kebabs. Uh, soak them in honey teriyaki. Put them on the grill um, with onions, bell peppers, mushrooms. And if I do it that way, then I just take that breast. It looks kind of like a football, and I'll cut it long ways first, and then I'll cut uh, I'll cut that into just little chunks, and cook them to about medium, medium rare. But you know, it just when I'm at my house, that's how I do it. I take the breast out, kind of get how much I'm going to eat, and then uh, the rest goes into the freezer. One of our good buddies, Steve Barber, who's been on uh, twice now, he had there's a sausage making plant, a, a processor where he lives, and any extra geese that I have uh, at the end of the year always go to him, and then we make we make uh, jalapeno and jalapeno cheese. and cheddar summer sausage and and we actually eat on that throughout the year it's good if you're if you're barbecuing or anything like that so that's that's one way to getting rid of uh getting rid of some geese what do you call them barbecuing what you like grilling talking about grilling out yeah yeah like if if we cook or you know i take them tony and tony and i do construction during the summer so if we're away from town i'll i'll put a couple in a ziploc bag and then they freeze out uh during the day and just snack on them then well barbecue you sound like a yankee that's what they call cooking steaks on the grill i'm sorry well you're not a yankee i'm really starting to worry about you this is fun well you get over that so <clears throat> but yeah just when you do the grinding up when you do tacos and stuff do you mix it with anything or do you just chorizo chorizo in your in your breast meat now i'm gonna tell you i don't like goose or duck yeah, yeah you do. I, no i don't it tastes like bad liver mm-hmm. i'm not a fan of ducks or geese but the summer sausage isn't bad at all. It don't take, taste no different than elk or, or any of the summer sausage. Mm-hmm. I got enough shit in there that makes it taste pretty good. It's kind of like coon ass food. You put enough Tony Chaucer season on it, you make a dog turd taste pretty good. The goose, though, the tacos that you make, they taste like regular taco meat. I guess you have enough taco season. It's not bad. Right. I, I'll, I'll give you that. It's pretty good. I don't, I'm not eating a duck or goose filet. I watched... Uh, Oh, shit, the, the bald guy that eats all the bullshit on TV. Andrew Zimmerman there day, mm-hmm. one of his shows. And he was eating some ducks. He was hunting in the Mississippi or something, Missouri, with some guys. And they shot these mallards, and he's like, oh, that's the greatest. And he, he cuts them up and cooks them medium rare. And they look really good on TV. They look delicious. But they don't taste very good to me. Which I'm not a duck eater, though. I wonder if he, like, he's probably put, keeping the, the fat on it. I saw Gordon Ramsay do it, and it looked delicious. And so did Zimmerman's, but I was thinking those poor people in there were lying to him when they told him it tastes good. Yeah, well, some some guys like it. Ron Ron would rather eat rather eat uh, a duck or a goose fillet than uh, ribeye. Dad will eat an ass out of a skunk though, so I really wouldn't put a lot into that. Well, his his taste in food's a little bit different than me. But anyways, that's our deal for cleaning your ducks and geese. Take them. Don't set your birds outside all freaking day long. Get home. Take care of your meat. You know, respect the meat all the way to the grill from the time you shoot it, and, and, and you'll get a lot more out of your meat that way, and you'll enjoy it. And I don't know nothing about plucking. I've got We've got guys that hunt with us that, man, they look forward to plucking a bird, and they shove oranges and apples up their asses and all kinds of stuff. And I just – but, man, they, they go crazy over that stuff. Yeah. And they smoke them, and, oh. But if I went to someone's house for – I've got a guy that hunts with me every year and wants to kill a Thanksgiving goose. 
If I got invited to somebody's house for Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner and them some bitches served a goose, I'd be one pissed off some bitch. I'm eating a lot of dressing and mashed potatoes and cranberry yeah. sauce, so I ain't eating a damn goose. My father-in-law Jesse's dad—that's he said he can remember as a child they would uh, just jump shoot ducks. Same thing. Mom would pluck it, put it in the oven, and they'd have oh. it. And he said it was one of his favorite childhood memories. Have you ever eaten baked duck or goose? I haven't. No. My dad. I might try it. Your grandfather made some one time. That's just a whole lot of work plucking it. Oh, it stunk. God oh, almighty! It stunk up the house. And dry. Oh, it was uh, it was nothing good about it all. And then not only that, you get a look, if you lead bullets in there, while you lead oh, shot yeah. in there eating, so your teeth are grinded. It, is not, it was not a good experience. It's got to uh-huh. be a clean kill, I guess. You know, Charlie talks about his most memorable hunt or times a kid. What's your most mis- memorable hunt you've ever been on when you was little? Do you remember any time that just really stands out? Yeah, the one that I go back to is when it was snowing so hard with with Dave Reese and uh, Miss School. Had a tough time getting out here to the lodge uh to meet our clients and then had an even tougher time getting back to town we stopped at conoco uh the the gas station here (coughs) excuse me stopped at the gas station here for uh just extra coffee because we knew that the birds were were not going to be up at the crack of dawn so what what were the weather conditions tell people that they paint that it was snowing it wasn't just snowing like people in minnesota snowing hard and And when we get a I don't, I don't remember how much it snowed, but we couldn't couldn't see the road because, you know, we leave at uh, – breakfast is at 5 o'clock here. We leave town at 4.30. We're the first people coming out to the lodge on this road. So it had snowed all night. So it's mid-shin deep snow. We got like 8 to 10 inches of snow that day. And we're the first ones on this road to the lodge, so there's no track. So we couldn't tell if we were in the ditch or on the road. All the all the median, uh, you know, it, it, the stripes are gone. Everything's gone. We basically had to uh, drive about thirty miles an hour, and we would look off into the distance. And uh, coming out to the lodge, you know, there's there's road signs. There's uh, if you go over like a, a ditch or something, there they've got those markers on either side of the road, and that's how we gauge whether we were still on the pavement or not. Made it out to the lodge, and it's still snowing and talk to the guys and you know we're gonna hunt so once again turn turn back around this time we've got at least got tracks to uh make our way back to town make our way back to town and we stop like i said we stop at the gas station still snowing very very hard harder than you know i ever remember and i think this was like the first time that i got to hunt in the snow i always wanted to do it as a kid and um doing this for 20 years i can tell you i do not look forward to those days well the snowing, yes, it's it's the when everything starts to thaw out because we don't keep snow but more than four or five days here and it starts getting pretty slick. But anyway, I was excited, so stopped at the gas station. Guys got coffee. People looked at us. The cashier looked at us like, what the hell are you guys doing? It, it's dumping snow out there. And uh, make our way to the field. <clears throat> and then... Dave, being from Minnesota, this is nothing new to him. He's hunted in it his whole life. And we had those big G&H goose shells. They're big. And that's all we set out. The 747s. Like the big big boys with the big heads. And and that's – we set out maybe four dozen of them. Might have even been three dozen. I can't remember the group size or anything. It seems like we had six or seven guys, just a a normal – 
party for us. And that Dave had them, uh, we, we hunted like a snow drift type of deal. And we just kind of had our back up against it. And we laid on the, the 747s and had, had others, uh, had, uh, those other 747s set up around us. And I'll never forget it. The geese came in, they came in big waves actually. Um, ever since then, whenever it snows, I've noticed that the, the group size is pretty small on snowy days for some reason but like these were like 50 to 200 in a flock and it was snowing so hard they weren't really saying anything the geese weren't so um you would just kind of hear their wings flapping and then dave would well we would both just kind of do a little bit on the call nothing nothing crazy and then just kind of all of a sudden out of the snow here they were and we would pretty they'd pretty much land uh, before Dave would call the shot, I was a, I was a little guy, so I wouldn't, I didn't get to call the shot then. And I mean, I'm telling you, I think we were probably done in 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Did y'all shoot a bunch of ducks too that day? Not, not that day. I don't think uh, the the ducks don't stand out to me. If we did, just just the geese, like you would see, you would see a dozen. And then they'd get lower, and then you'd see another dozen, and then before you know it, you'd have 50, 50 to a hundred right on top of you, and just mow them down. They could, they couldn't. Visibility was about to the end of your pecker. I mean, there was just no, no seeing them. And I'll, I'll never forget the scene. It looked like a crime scene when we were done. We shot, you know, just the birds are right there in your face, and I mean, I'd go pick up birds, and there was just blood all over that fresh virgin snow i'll never forget it it was something else coldest i've ever been to you know i, I remember that day we don't have a lot of snowstorms here the guys up north are like <laughs> she has some snow it's when, better, yeah, it's when it snows day. here we get 30 to 40 mile an hour winds usually we don't have yeah. that pretty christmas snow no, y'all have that's a that just, when, when we have snow it's usually with a big northern in the front and so nasty but the day before this we have a thing we call the bettis water hole on some property we have and it's a water hole that's maybe I'm going to say a, a half an acre of water, and it's a wheat field, and the water's maybe 6 to 12 inches in it at most. But it's just the middle of a wheat, and it's in a low spot, and it will hold. It's a loafing place for the geese, and we don't, we didn't, we don't hunt it very often at all. It's a resting place for them. <clears throat> but a buddy of mine, Matt Reagan, was down here, and me and him and Dad knew the, the forecast was it was going to be freaking cold and snowy. Mm-hmm. Now, they didn't tell us we were going to be in a freaking blizzard and get 12 inches of snow or 8 or 10 or whatever. We had 8 to 10 that day. They just said we had a chance to get an inch or two of snow. <clears throat> so I had, we, we we scouted that night, and there was ducks all over this and a few geese. And I was like, hey, we'll go duck hunting in the morning. And I knew the forecast was snow, and I always had a rule in our house. If the schools start late, they don't count the boys' absence. They don't have to go to school. Right. It's a, it's a, it's a what do they call that, absence, a uh Excused absence. Excused absence. So I said, you know, I told Michelle, I'm, they don't have to go to school. Tim, buses ain't running until 10 o'clock. I'm not going to make them go to school. Kids all made straight A's anyway, smart kids. It wasn't going to hurt them to miss damn school. Oh, why would they be? Okay. Well, you finished college with A's, so I'm happy. Anyways, so I didn't ever worry too much about all of that. So we go, and so I told him, and Zach, well, he was like, well, if Andy don't go to school, I don't have to go to school. I want to go hunting. I said, well, you can go duck hunting with us. Okay, that sounds good. So... We left, Andy left an hour before I did. Well, we weren't going to go to the lodge. We were just going to go straight to the place. So I met Dad and Matt were going to come to the house. Well, I looked outside when Andy left, 
and we have Christmas decorations in our yard. And the top of the freaking reindeer is all I could see. Big mm-hmm. drifts. I mean, I was like, son of a bitch, it snowed a bunch. Then Michelle's worried about Andy and them making it. So I caught the lodge, and they were there. So anyways, me and Zach and my dad and Matt went to the Bettis water hole, and I got to the field and my big Suburban, and I couldn't find the water hole. Mm-hmm. And I drove to where it was at, and we drove across that thing. It snowed so much and so cold that it was frozen. I drove right across the top of it. And drove back, and we got back home, and every electric fence in the area was out. And there was cows everywhere. Right. It was a it was a damn mess. But that was it was a one cold ass day. I'll never forget that day. Also, and the guy. The, the funny thing was the day before, when they started putting snow in and how cold it was going to be, I called the guy, and it started snowing that day like three or four o'clock in the afternoon. They said it was going to snow all night. It was one of them deals where in Texas, this is how our snow goes. You're going to get a Half inch to an inch of snow. And then when it gets to an inch, you're going to get one to three inches. Right. Then when you get to three, it's three to five. And they just keep upping it all day. Well, we got to an inch, then it's one to three. Well, at four o'clock, I called the guy that was coming in. And his name was Joe. And I'm not going to say his last name. And I said, hey, Joe. I said, uh, you might. I said, well, maybe we need to move this hunt back a week or two. He got all irate with me. He got pissed. Really? Oh, he was madder than hell. I damn it, I'm at the airport picking these son bitches up right now. Well, he was cussing me out. I said, listen. We'll hunt you. I, well, you get here, we're going to hunt. I'm just going to tell you what, it's going to be miserable if your guys don't have the clothes. Right. I mean, the ground's white here. The wind's blowing out of the north. It's supposed to snow all night long. I right, damn it, I'm going to have you cancel people. I'm thinking, shit, I'm trying to do you a favor. I said, if you can make it, you call us. I said, come on, big boy. I said, we're going to eat in town. We're not having dinner at 6 at the lodge tonight. Right. Why are you supposed to feed everybody? I said, I'm not making my ladies driving this shit. Yeah. You can eat in town. My guide can meet you in town. I damn, that's what we'll do. I'll call you. So he leaves the airport, and he calls me in Wichita Falls. Uh, the ground's white here. And no shit. I told you two hours ago it was. Well, we'll probably grab something to eat here. We probably ain't going to be there till late. They end up getting in about midnight. Mm-hmm. And then we hunted the next morning. He apologized. Oh, I just was kind of upset a little bit. Well, shit, I'm trying to do you a favor. Yeah. I didn't think he could get here anyways. Right. But he did. But anyways, that was that's the, what I remember about that hunt. My most memorable hunt. As a kid, we went to Miller Creek, a little lake over here, and we had an old boat that we used to, a Lone Star boat we had, with had a cage built on it. It was a just a, a blind, basically. Me, Dad, and Tony went. And we, we didn't get to go until early that morning. My dad's a fireman. He didn't get off work until 8. And it was a cold winter day, wind blowing and all that stuff. It could have been real windy because we went on the lake. But anyways, we went and hunted, and we stayed there all freaking day long. And it was on a Sunday. And... We go to start the motor to come back. It's about a three miles, and Nada. the motor don't work. Nothing. So I am probably eight years old, Tony's six years old, and my dad, and we row this freaking boat into a north wind <laughs> three miles at Miller Creek, straight into a wind. And I think I got home that night about 1130 or 12 o'clock. Mm. And I was really pissed because my mom made me get up and go to school. The get next up and morning. go to school. Oh, I was mad in hell. I thought for sure I wouldn't go to school. Matter of fact, I was already lobbying to try to get to go hunting the next morning. <laughs> she said no. All right. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, it's just it's one of those deals. We don't get to see the snow, so when it snows, it's kind of a big deal. But, yeah, and I like hunting in snow now, but whenever that starts to melt, it just, it is nasty. I mean, it's like, you know how it is. I mean, it, those poor fucking snow goose hunters that do it in March in, like, Missouri and Oof. shit, and you see them, I mean, hell, they're caked in mud the whole time. Well, that's the way it is here. Things start melting, muddy. You got to take four wheelers into everywhere. You can't hide. You know, the, we're hunting in the middle of a field a lot of times, and you can't hide because it's just we don't have 
you know, we don't have enough snowsuits for 30 or 40 people. So it's just, it's a challenge. I'll, it, I'll just say that. It is. I will. <clears throat> and <clears throat> the, the, the thing about our area when it, when it snows is we get a snow, and then we may not have another snow for another week or not even all winter. I mean, could, could just be one, yeah, we've all winter. Had, and then we had a year not long, you know, four or five years ago where it was freaking white from, well, me and you in Oklahoma four years ago were white from the 1st of December till freaking middle of January. Yeah. But on an average year in Texas here, we've had times we've had snow on the ground for a week or two, but it doesn't happen very often. Yeah. <clears throat> so we don't get used to having the, you know, the whites and all that shit because it just don't happen here. I saw a deal interesting there that I was going to talk to you about. I saw a guy has got a new company out, and I'm going to give him a little plug here. It's it's refurbished decoys. Have you seen those duck decoys? No. Guy had a deal on Facebook the other day, and he takes duck decoys that you got at your house, and he air paints them. Mm-hmm. Boy, some bitches look good. Hmm. Now, I'm a big. I believe that a white decoy like a pintail makes a big difference because you can see it from a long way off. Right. And his widgeons look really pretty. I mean, the white on their head and stuff—they really shine like a real duck would do. But. I'm the basic that the same duck decoy that was used in 1930 is the same duck decoy we're doing now. They ain't much changed. Paint jobs are a little different. These paint jobs, kind of like Dave Smith goose decoys. Mm -hmm. They look really, really awesome. They do. But I don't think that they're going to make you kill any more geese than you're going to kill with a new Avian X or a dive bomb silhouette. I I just don't think it makes a big difference. Well, kind of depends on the way that you're hunting. Um, My motto is run big, run big often. But for guy, you know, there's there's a point in the season, especially for guys up north. Um, guys will cut their spread; they'll drastically decrease the size of it. And if you're going to do that, I say get the best. And if that's a Dave Smith, then that's a Dave Smith. But <clears throat> it, as quantity goes down, and I've said this before, but I'll you know I'll beat this drum: as quantity goes down, quality needs to go up. So that would be where a Dave's – for us, the way that we hunt, big spreads, you know, you're not ever going to catch us running just three dozen decoys unless it's a snowy day like I had talked about, which <clears throat> the Dave Smiths wouldn't have done shit for. You know, we had these great big oversized G&H shells out, and we shot a limit of birds in about 30 minutes. But um, if, you, if, if you're going to whittle it down to only taking out a dozen or two dozen decoys, then I say your quality needs to be spot on. I, 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 I'm but for, for, for the way that we hunt, you know, we would just be adding, uh, you know, these high-quality decoys to a massive, massive spread. Well, when you're doing it that way, they're probably not going to pick out uh, top of the line versus, you know, like you said, an Avian X or whatever. Yeah, I don't think it makes a big difference. But, but they were good-looking decoys. Anyways, yeah. These guys duck decoys. His, his widgeons looked absolutely awesome. I was like, man, them suckers <coughs> look really cool. Right. And I guess they were just regular G&H that he painted. widgeons. He just airbrushed them, and he took orders, and people would send them to him. And he would, you know, it's the same thing as Dave's doing with his goose decoys. Same type deal. Well, he's carved it and everything else. Who? Dave Smith. I thought he was just – didn't he used to just paint over – Oh, maybe in the beginning? I don't know. I thought he used to just paint Bigfoots over and redo them. Uh, yeah, I think I, I think I remember hearing something about that. Right. But, no, like now he's, no, he's got a professional carver and oh, – He does his own then? Yeah. I know he's yeah. a very, very expensive. Very, very ta- – well, very talented. He's very, very talented. Because, like I said, yeah, he's uh, – you know. I'm not knocking this stuff. If you no, want, no, no, I know. If you can afford to buy, you know, $1,200 a dozen, what are those things? I'll look them up right now. I got a text from your brother. Yeah. 
He was just standing 25 feet from us. Oh, well, he sent me a note. He didn't send you a note. I love my brother to death, but boy, sometimes he makes me shake my head. DSD. But uh, anyways, this guy's decoys, I think were were called refurbished decoys, and they look good. They were good-looking spread, and if you only had a couple, if you're hunting by yourself some guys and money wasn't wasn't an object, it would look good to have two or three dozen of them duck decoys. Of the refurbished ones? Just just because it looked good. Now, my dream in life would be to have a lot of money. And then that ain't going to happen probably. But I've got a lot of fun, a lot of good memories. But I think it would be really neat to I, – I can't do this because I don't have the time to – I have the time, I just I don't have the patience. To have a dozen wooden decoys that you carved yourself to duck hunt over. I think it would be awesome. That you carved yourself? Mm-hmm. What does money have to do with any of that? Well, I'm, I'm I'm lazy and I don't have I'm not that stuck to finishing anything. I start. I'd have a bunch of wood shavings in the house and say, "Let me my decoys, just burn them." <laughs> but I think it would be neat to have a dozen blocks of your own that you carve to hunt over. I just think it would be neat to fall back to the old days. Do it then. Man, I don't even know where I'd buy a carving kit to start a carving deal. I ain't gonna carve them on mesquite wood. Ron would know. Well, Dad knows a lot of things, but I don't know how often. I need to ask them. I know that's balsa wood or or whatever they use. I don't know what they use. But I think it would be really neat to have a dozen wooden decoys of your own that you carved to shoot some ducks over. I think yeah. it would be really interesting. I think it would, too. You ought to do that yeah. in the off-season, Jeff. You got time, bub. I have other things going on. The lesser combo pack from Dave Smith decoys is three forty-four ninety-nine for six. So they're only $60 a piece. If that's the math you got, yeah. Three forty-nine. Three forty-four ninety-nine. For six decoys. For six decoys. Six decoys would be $360 for 60 bucks a piece. It's cheaper than I thought they were. I thought they were more than that. Yeah. That's the lessers. Um, what are the specs more? Oh, I don't know. Anyways. I, I just I, I punched in uh, lessers since that's what we would be But buying. if you were buying a 50 dozen decoys, that's awful freaking expensive. Uh, pretty expensive. You know? Yeah. You're talking about a dozen decoys, $720. I would feel guilty hunting over those. That expensive? Why would you feel guilty about it? I just would. I wouldn't want to take them out of the trailer. I don't think. Like no, 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 no! Don't, 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 don't! I wouldn't let the clients touch them. Well, that's what I'm saying. But don't touch those. Don't, don't even I'm, look at them. I'm gonna bet the people that are hunting over them though are hunting over three dozen, or two dozen and shooting right. raiders probably. But they're they're a good looking product. They are. Like, don't they are you touch that cocksucker! Don't touch it. You better not even look at it. And um, I want to give a shout out. If I could think of the little girl's name, I gotta look it up again now. The honker upright is four fifty for six. The honker upright pack. It's how much? Four fifty for six. That's seventy dollars, seventy five dollars a piece. Then probably almost. more material yeah, there. Seventy five. They, they do look good. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna call that little gal. That's she she follows the podcast. Her dad's hunted with us. Uh, Kylie Burris in Oklahoma shot a. Massive black bear this weekend. Yeah, she, in Oklahoma, weekend. right? Yep, in southeast Oklahoma. They didn't tell us exactly where, but you know, pictures of it on our Facebook. You know, congrats. What? That's a hell of a trophy for a little girl. And I think she shot with a bow. Really? Which means she has a lot bigger balls than me or you have. To shoot it with a bow? Yeah, you ain't shooting a bear with a bow and pissing off. If I was in off. a tree stand, I would. Number one, I don't bow hunt. You're not either, Andy. Why wouldn't I? I've seen you jump around before. Of little things. You're not going to go out there to bear. You're not going to go hunt. When we were in Canada, uh, Rob asked you one time if you wanted to go sit in a stand and take some pictures of bear. I'm Why good. Why would I want to do that, though? That, that, that doesn't sound fun. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't want, 
I would love to shoot a bear. I think it'd be neat to shoot a bear, but I don't think I would want to sit and try shoot one with a bow. Would you eat a bear? Well, I'd try one. Try it. See what it tastes like. They say it's kind of. Dad says it's kind of greasy. I've had other guys tell me that. I'd, yeah. I'd try it. I was, I was listening to a, another podcast, and the guy was talking about eating bear and how delicious it tastes. Now, you know, if it's been eaten out of a garbage can for a month or two weeks or something, it probably doesn't taste as good. But, like, when they're eating berries and stuff like that, it said it's delicious. So you, you think that eating a bear that's been eaten in the garbage is any different than eating a mallard that's been drinking in a sewer pond? Well, I've never had a bear, but I'm just telling you what this, this guy said, that whenever, you know— if, or he used because I think he shot them out of uh, Alaska or something. So uh, if they've been eating like, on like a dead whale carcass or something, it tastes okay. kind of like that. But he said uh, that's why sea well, ducks it, don't it taste. Should, it, it was Donnie Vincent on the on the Joe Rogan podcast. Right. You can go listen to it. But he was talking uh, whenever the bears uh, have been eating blueberries a long time, their fat is actually blue from mm. eat. But it's just a classic case of you are what you eat. So if you eat a lot of Cheetos, you got orange innards. But yeah, anyway, that's interesting. I, but anyways, she shot a big old bear in Oklahoma. They got a lot, and, and from what I'm understanding, and I, I'm not a bear person, but they had it. But it was in a drought all summer, and they don't have a big acorn crop this year, so the bears are really, really active in searching for food. Hmm. So somebody's probably gonna get mauled in Oklahoma this year, is what they're saying. Hmm. You know, those bears are right on the north end of the Red River. Yeah, and it's just a matter of time before we get bears in our country. They're going to come down that Red River eventually. And, and I don't think – are you talking like in our neck of the woods out here? I, I wouldn't be surprised. They're south of here now. They had a they had a bear on game camera at uh, – god dang it. I know down by south of um, Abilene there was a place they saw some bears on a, on a, a game camera. So I, I think our bears that we get here will come down the Red River and get on the Wichita River. I'm not saying they're going to be everywhere, but there'll be a time that the bears are back in this area again, I think. Could be. I mean, they're protected. You can't do nothing about them. You're not supposed to shoot them. Right. I don't know. It could be. And I'd have a hard time if I was down the river and damn bear walk by not popping his ass. I just don't know if there's enough cover for them. On that river? Shit. Especially the Red River. A lot of well, cover. Well, I'm just talking like out here where we're at. There were plains animals before. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Be interesting to see if they do. Yep. Anyways, that would be I just congratulations to her on shooting a big ass bear. I thought that would was Would we pretty sell bear hunts if they legalized it in Texas? Well probably so. Well, fuck we sell You're not scared else. of them, so you might as well try no, them. Oh hell. You walk right up you slap that son of a bitch right across the nose and tell him, Listen, you can either get in the truck willingly or not. No, seriously, we had a guide seriously on a serious he he was elk hunting. Boat it was during bow elk season. And he was on the other side of a tree, and he hears something kind of rustling behind him, and he draws his bow back, thinking it's an elk, and he, like, slowly turns around that tree. Rustling's getting quite a bit closer, and he goes around thinking it's an elk, and he's nose-to-nose -nose with a black bear. He said, I don't know who it scared me. I don't know who it scared worse, me or the bear. And he, he went one way, the bear went the other. Thank goodness. But uh, yeah, I, I, I probably wouldn't. I probably wouldn't fuck with bears. How about without a rifle? Okay, I got a few questions for you. Not questions. We can cover some stuff here. Statements. Yeah, this is a time right now, guys, to get your bro your duck blinds brushed. If you're hunting somewhere, public, private, wherever, and you're it's a good time to get them brushed now, so they kind of feel the wet. The brush will kind of weather in a little bit, so you don't right. go out there opening day the day before 
and throw your old cedar all over your blind and then it's a green brush and everything else is dead around there. Had a guy ask me the other day, well, I've had some questions of some stuff that just really has shocked me. Like, guy, well, should, when, when should we brush a blind or should we have done that this summer? Well, ain't going to do no good to brush a blind in July or August. No. So this is, to me, the time to do it. You know, and like uh, during the blind podcast that we, we did, you know, brush it really good, brush your layout blind, A-frame, whatever you're running, brush it really good once and then um, – if the if the terrain changes, you know, say you've got it brushed in yellow corn or whatever, you got corn stalks on it. I, I don't know something that's yellow, tan, khaki color, and then all of a sudden you're hunting a, a brush line or a tree line that's mostly dark. You know, you can take some of the stuff that's around you, break it off, and shove it into your shove it into your. Uh, straps that that's already covered as long as you've kind of got a nice undertone kind of a neutral undertone uh you can take it and and just kind of tweak a couple spots with wherever you know whatever the terrain looks like that you're hunting so that 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 that's my two cents so don't completely take all of the grass or cover off of your blind just because you're hunting something that's uh a different different color than than what you've got it brushed in just tweak it up a little bit Hit a lot, hit a lot of the spots with whatever you're hunting, and keep that keep that undertone there. Don't start anew every time you hunt a different field. That's a different color. Okay, then this next one is I want you to give some advice on on an amateur person here. And this is for the guy that owns one goose call or one duck call, and he decides at eight thirty or nine o'clock at night before he's gonna go hunting to clean and tune his call. And I've seen guys do this before, and I know what happens. They start trying to jack with it, and it sounds like a fucking pelican in heat time they get done doing this shit. <laughs> what What's the advice you can give to people that don't? Now, like, you guys, you call, you clean your calls, and you tune them every freaking night. No, you, I don't. Not anymore. You don't? Mm-hmm. You used to. You used to drive me nuts. But you got you know how to do the soundboards, and you know what you're doing. Right. But for the guy that don't have someone else to lean on, because when you learned how to do it, you had guides here that calls. What does a guy that's by himself at home that thinks he needs to jack with his duck call. What's he need to do? Or goose call. Mm. And there's somebody who wants to know this right now. And they're like, man, I got a little sque- you know, squeak in it. And I need to try this. But Oh, well, if you're going to take it apart, look at it before you take it apart. And take pictures. Take pictures. You got a cell phone, flip that thing out and take pictures. That way you know how to get it back like it was. I'll use goose calling, for instance. Sand gets under our uh, tone board, and it can create problems. So what we do is we'll take the guts out and just kind of wipe them off with a wet paper towel. Um, And that's how you fix a lot of the the problems. You know, if if it's sticking or or whatever, you probably got sand in it or some kind of trash. So take pictures before you do it. Um, That way you know how it goes back together. And then just... Um, the one thing that they, the call makers will tell you not to do is a lot of guys will, will, they'll pull their call apart to where you got, uh, your insert in one hand with the gut sticking out of it and they'll pop it and they'll pop those push, they'll push those guts through. So it comes out on the other end. Well, with that happen, when that happens, those call, those guts are meant to sit in a certain position. And whenever you push them through like that, you're wallering out that uh 
the place that they sit because now all of a sudden you're taking you're taking guts that aren't supposed to go past a certain point in the call and you're pushing it all the way through and if you do that every time uh what's going to end up happening is you're going to be blowing your goose or duck call and you've been pushing it through all these all these times and your guts are you're going to blow air in it and your guts are going to end up in your hand so what they say to do is take a pin or a nail punch or a nail or something and so you've got your tone board which is i don't know it's a little bit longer but it's got uh it's got like a canoe bottom to it okay and then that's what the reed sits on and then you've got a wedge and the wedge is a solid piece and that keeps everything together so what i do is i take a pin something that i can get uh through the end of the call and then i'll just pop it so and then it comes back out uh, the way that they, the way that they, the way that they're sitting. So, um, I hope that made sense. And then, uh, I'll just give them a little, little rinse. I'll wet a paper towel, give them a little rinse, make sure that all the dirt's off of them. And then, uh, if you're getting a goose call from a manufacturer, most likely the reed is going to be shaved and then the shaved side will go up. So, you know, you, you could be looking at your reed in your hand and think, well, son of a bitch, which, which way's up, which way's down? Um, if it's shaved, the shave side generally goes up in all of them that I've seen. Or before you ever take it out of your call is take an ink pen and draw a line on top of the reed. And then when you put it back together, just put that where that ink mark is on that reed. Put your pen there or put your uh, wedge there and then slide it all back into your goose or duck call and then it's going to be pretty close to how the manufacturer sent it to you but um, for us our geese are a little bit higher pitch so what I usually do is I'll always tweak it and kind of get a higher higher pitch sound and you want less read and soundboard showing to achieve that the more read and the more soundboard that you have out uh, generally creates a deeper deeper sound so uh, I always like mine just a touch higher than usually the call maker sends it to me. So I always push that in and have a little bit less, less reed showing. But whenever you're putting your reed back on the tone board, uh, you press down on that reed and make sure that it clears everything. Make sure that it's not, it's not making a clicking noise. You want it as close to the top of that tone board channel as you can get it without it clicking. And uh, yeah. Okay. So anyways, because you know that we've had guys come up here and they come in the office and are like, hey, can you help me with a duck call or a goose call? I'm like, well, I'm not the guy to ask about that. And they've got it so jacked up. Or And the boys are always giving calling lessons to people. That's yeah. all the time you see that around here all the time. Yeah, but that that's that's the general makeup of a goose call. you got your tone board. It's got the tone channel. The reed has to sit on the tone board, and it has to be able to flex inside of that tone channel. If it's hitting on anything, then your, your call is going to stick. And uh, conversely, if it's too far down that tone channel, you're going to have a harder time making that goose call run. So you want it right on the edge of that tone channel where it can go down and flex and then come back up because that's how your, your sound is created. And then where the wedge is on that, on your reed, is kind of the pitch that you're going to get. If you've got less reed showing, it's going to be higher, more squeakier, more reed showing, it's going to be deeper. Um, so find what you, you know, find the find the pitch that you like and put it all back in the insert and run it. And another, and then just a little 
bit of advice also. If you're water hunting all the time, make sure on your lanyard you've got the bottom and top of your call on a deal on, on your actual lanyard where it's hooked. Right. Because I have been there before, reached down to grab a duck call, and all you have is the top and the bottom has gone to the duck call. On If you look on my lanyard, all of my calls have a lanyard on both ends. So your call is going to come apart into two pieces, basically. you got your mouthpiece and your insert is what I call it. Some guys call it different things. But um, I put I put a lanyard loop on the mouthpiece and I put a lanyard loop on the insert. That way, if I'm picking up birds and it comes apart, which I've had it do before, uh, if it comes apart, you're not going to lose it off your lanyard. But if you've got just one loop on one side and you're running and, and the commotion or whatever, uh, you're going to lose half of your goose or duck call. So, yeah, make sure you do that. For All sure. right. Last thing I'm going to get to before we do this giveaway. I would like, if you've got young kids, and I say young kids, I'm talking about adolescent youth boys and girls from about the age of eight to about 14 years old and you want to introduce them to something that's really an, a really neat thing is get a nash buckingham book some of the old books of his that he's a ri- outdoor writer and let the kids read about the stories of the 50s and 60s and the duck hunting and all the good the, all the hunting and fishing he did it's good stuff it's 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 family it's like putting Walt Disney in the hunting stuff from back in the 50s and 60s. Guy's a great writer. But look up Nash Buckingham and buy his books. I've got My wife bought me an antique set of them books 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to pass them down to my grandkids. But they are great stories, and you need to read them. And it's, just, it's good, good stuff. And it's, <clears throat> it's what I miss about the world we live in today. We need more stuff like that. I want to thank Cody Stokes and Asher Tolliver. Die Bomb Industries, and they make the best equal on the market, folks. We've talked about them, and we're going to give away a goose hunt for three days up here, November 14, 15, 16. That's three days lodging, breakfast, and a morning hunt, and a couple of dozen of Dive Bomb products, which would be Dive Bomb Silhouettes. Two dozen dozen Speckle Belly Dive Bomb Silhouettes. And Andrew? Are we ready to announce the big winner? The big winner. Okay. First off, I want to say, like Jeff said, thank you to the Dive Bomb crew, Cody Stokes and Asher Tolliver. Uh, it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to this. So thank you for making this giveaway even better by giving away some of your product. Thank you to everybody, and I mean everybody. I look back, and this has been going on for six weeks now. So anybody that entered, thank you very much. Um, thank you for for spreading the word about the Big Honker podcast. But there can only be one winner. So, without further ado, <laughs> the big winner, Brady Creech. Congratulations, Brady. You have won a three-morning goose hunt for you and a buddy, November 14, 15, and 16. And... Lodging and two dozen dive bomb silhouettes. So, Brady, I want you to do a couple things. Number one, I want you to get a hold of us. That way, uh, we can kind of touch base with you. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, wherever. You can call the lodge if you want, 940 658 3172. And then, 
be sure and reach out to Dive Bomb. Tell those guys that you're the big winner of the Big Honker Podcast giveaway and send them a note. Say thanks. Uh, looking forward to, to hunting with you guys and looking forward to the product because they did not have to do that. So congratulations. Looking forward. You also get to hunt with me. And that's a prize in itself. Yeah, count your blessings on that. Congratulations, Brady. Uh, yeah, reach out to us. Let us know that you heard this, and we'll go from there. Okay, and now let's talk about our next giveaway. We're all about the giveaways. All about them. You're going to get to hunt with a legendary coyote man, Clay Reed, Johnny Clay Reed. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't listed the last podcast with him, don't do it in front of your kids, but you will laugh your ass off. Mm-hmm. Funniest. Or or uh, anybody that thinks Kavanaugh is a bad guy, don't listen to <laughs> don't listen to Kyle Manclary because he he uh, he likes drinking beer and he likes chasing tail. Back when he was a single man, so if you think Kavanaugh is a piece of shit, then I'd steer clear of Kyle Manclary. Anyways, <laughs> we're gonna do a hunt with Clay February weekday. Come in, do an afternoon. Uh, guided varmint hunt, come back in here, eat a steak at the lodge, go back out at nighttime and hunt for a couple hours, listen to a lot of stories. It'd be for two people. And, folks, I want you to go to Interfaith Ministries in Wichita Falls, our website, and all we ask for is people look it up and, and give a donation. The holidays are coming. They do a lot of good things for people. They don't have any idea we're even doing this. This is all just our thing to do, and I'm going to get a number for them and a website so we can do that to help do some donations to help them. Anyways, it is counterintuitive though. Like hearing hearing him talk, and then like, oh, I'm giving away a hunt, and <laughs> we're going through interfaith interfaith ministries and stuff. And you're just like, what? What? <laughs> but he's a great guy. Uh, would literally, and I mean this wholeheartedly. He would give you the shirt off of his back in a heartbeat if if you really needed it. He's a great guy. He just lived a real life. He did, and you know, yeah, and that's, he just it's. You know, he's not sugarcoating being politically correct. He lived a life that everybody else did. Well, not to that extreme probably, but everybody, you know, did stuff and wild and had fun, and he just open and talks about it. Now, I'm sure his friends he mentioned by name, a few of them ain't as proud. <laughs> but it's just crazy to hear, you know, he here's a guy that's knocking out teeth every Saturday night, and, you know, he's just he a genuinely, genuinely, genuinely caring and giving man. Yeah, coaches and youth sports. Youth sports, donates his time, which uh, father of two – Time is by far the most valuable currency that I have now. And for him to give away so much of his time is, is truly something. You know, and Clay's not only coaching and te- teaching young kids, but he doesn't have a kid involved. That's what, yeah. That's what's yeah. amazing. You know, I, I coached when my kids played. Right. I'm not going back and coaching now. No, I love he, kids to death, but yeah. he's coaching other people's kids. He's coaching no kid. a peewee team this yes. year. No kids involved, and that takes a lot because I'm going to tell you right now, when you're coaching youth sports, there ain't bigger ass chewing in the world is from some mom or dad right. that don't think that thinks juniors getting screwed or over. They're always right. smarter than you are. Yeah. Anyways, everybody, we got weekend here coming up, another rainy weekend, which is amazing. I think we're starting to live in Seattle. I just saw a forecast. One model says eight inches here. Whew. We it's gonna be it's gonna be a fucking mess if that happens. Mm-mm-mm. Um, but for no. the cli- for the uh, coyote man giveaway, I'll come up with some rules. Uh try to we'll keep something interesting not just the reviews and all that other stuff we'll find we'll find another way of doing things so be looking for that this weekend i'll I'll brainstorm with jeff a little bit on as to how exactly we're gonna go about giving this away 
because yep. he always volunteers me to come up with shit on the fly. So. Well, you're good at it. So, anyways, we're gonna well, that will be given away right at Christmas time. And so, then the hunt will be in February, correct? Yep, the hunt will be in February during the weekdays, and then I'm sure at Christmas time we'll come up with something else for the spring. We'll do a hog hunt or something, or something, do something else. Anyways, I appreciate everybody listening to us. Thank you so much. God bless each and every one of you. Uh, it's October, bud. That means Halloween's coming. Cannot wait. That's a big holiday here, and we will have a special Halloween. We got some great Halloween stories to tell, too. Yep. But, yeah, that's you got it. Anything? Uh, once again, thank you to everybody that entered. Brady, be sure uh message one of us, get a hold of us, send uh, Dive Bomb a note. Looking forward to having you out there. Thank you to all the listeners. Um, thank you to all of our sponsors. Without them, you know, this show wouldn't be near as good. So uh, appreciate our sponsors. And that's all I got. So all right. Have a good weekend, everybody. Thank you, and God bless you.